0: Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I am Jason Economou, Government Affairs Director for the Realtors Association of Maui, and I am joined by Winston Wong today. Uh, Winston, thanks for joining us, and can you please tell us a little about yourself and why we're talking today?
1: Thank you, Jason. Um, if you haven't already been, <laughs> read this on some announcement, I, I'm an attorney here in Honolulu. I work for Chunker LLP. Uh, I practice in litigation and tax. And the reason I'm here today is to discuss uh, a recent ordinance passed by the County of Maui um, in 2021, and and the specific number, if anybody wants to look it up is ordinance 5160. Now, it became important for us because a number of condo owners were affected by it and in particular, it it was targeted towards mostly snowbird out of state residents who own property in Maui. And as you might be familiar, the the county as well as uh, all the other counties in the state are seemingly. Trying to address a housing shortage issue by, by pointing the finger at properties that are not occupied by either in state residents or occupied full time. And this is 1 of those measures that was passed. So, what happened with ordinance 5160 was that after it did pass, we. Eventually represented a number of condo property owners, and we, we took it to tax appeal court, challenging the constitutionality of the law and I'm just pleased to say that um, a few months ago, the tax court was they ruled in our favor and they found that the ordinance itself ordinance 5160. Well, it was indeed unconstitutional. So we were, we were happy to be able to uh, to reach a, a good result for our clients, but also just to. Affirm that, you know, if the county does have powers to tax its residents, but it has to do so in a constitutional way and to ensure that those limits are adhered to by the county when it exercises its powers of of real property tax. We, we were, we were pleased to see that see that outcome.
0: Great. I want to jump in and add a little extra context. So, so you and I 1st. Started communicating, um, I guess it was back in 2021. When, when this ordinance came into effect, because, because some, some property owners have reached out to you, but for everybody listening. um, Ram was opposed to this legislation back in December, 2020. And this was a really rare piece of legislation because it passed through the whole county council process in about a month Um, for, for those of you who aren't familiar with the process. It usually takes about 3 months. To, to pass a bill between the committee and then when it's something where there's some, some points of contention, uh, there might be some amendments and additional committee work, maybe a couple of rounds in the council. Uh, this moved really quick and Ram was opposed to it because we, we just saw the, the basic unfairness and the attack on property rights. Um, Winston, could you tell us a little bit specifically what that bill did? And and who might have been impacted by it? So people know what to look for uh, and they know what we're talking about.
1: Certainly, so ordinance 5160, it specifically affected condominium properties. And 1 thing. To know about Maui's real property tax system um, at the time in 2020 was that condos are classified based on their actual use. So if you use your property, as your residence, your, you know, you were classified as a residential type property owner, if you used it as a short-term rental, you are classified as a, a short-term renter. And typically commercial rates always have higher rates than you know non-commercial rates. If you're using a property as a part-time residence or if it's vacant, you, you're not making money for it. So there's not much logic or rationale for the state to be taxing you on that, you know, on that use. And the actual use system had been in place in Maui for almost 40 years. So the, the existence of that actual use system um, was challenged in 2020, and this was, um, I guess, the Council's first attempt to really address that. It had, it had been deliberated before, but never really implemented in legislature. Um, ordinance 5160 essentially picked out a subset of condo property owners, those in um, zoning that permitted short term rental. So a lot of hotel and resort zoning, um, apartment zoning. If you were in zoning that allowed a short-term rental use, even if you weren't using the property as a short-term rental, they weren't going to ignore the actual use. So they were going to say, "Oh well, if you're in a zoning that permits you to use it this way, even though you don't use the property as a commercial short-term rental, we're going to tax you at that higher rate anyways." And and this was a way for the county to essentially, you know, pinpoint um, transient, you know, locations in the county, those with higher occupancies. With out-of-state residents, because a lot of resident, out-of-state residents live, you know, in these resort-type areas, and it also allowed the county to um, apply this to properties, you know, as as a way around the actual use system without actually overturning it, which they did in the following year. So, what happened with this law was for only one year, you had. Still, the actual use system in place for condos, except for this subset of property owners in these condo resort areas, these apartment areas, and, and essentially, if you were a part time owner or a part time resident, then it, then it really didn't matter to the Kali. If your property wasn't being used full time as your residence. they were going to treat you as if you were operating a short term rental and you were going to be subject to significantly higher rates, almost double of what you normally would have paid.
0: And the interesting thing about appeals, and, and you can correct me if this is wrong, if you appeal a tax bill like this, you still have to pay in the meantime while your your appeal's going through. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. So when you pay not only a, a real property tax bill, but just a, a state tax bill. If you if you're gonna appeal, you have to pay your taxes pending the appeal. And because of that, it the onus is really you know, going to be on the taxpayer to challenge any legislature, and, and really have a a good feeling that they're going to be right because you're going to be out of pocket the entire time that you challenge the law. So, while you are entitled to your overpayment of taxes if you are successful, with some interest, it's not as if you can challenge it to postpone your payment, especially if you have a, an unfair law. So you're going to be having to pay unfair taxes for a year, maybe two, while the while the case is pending. So, but when it comes to real property tax challenges, the taxpayers are really, you know, they're really behind the eight ball whenever they bring an appeal.
0: So, your folks appealed in a, in a timely manner. They paid the tax. They went through this whole process. And thanks to, to really, I mean, that's kind of courageous to, to be the leaders on that forefront. Um, we now know that this law was deemed unconstitutional by, by the appeals court, the, the tax court. Um, where does it go from here? What about the other taxpayers that were impacted by this?
1: Right. So we did have three plaintiffs, and they all essentially had the same claims. We all filed the same. We filed the same motion on their behalf for all of them, and the same order affected all of them. But when we when we moved for summary judgment, or when we asked the court for relief, we we essentially said we we want the court to rule that this ordinance is unconstitutional, and that ruling shouldn't be just. Limited to the three plaintiffs in this case, because um, just as a matter of common sense and I guess just general understanding of law, if you have an unconstitutional law, then it's not like you can say, well, it only applies to you know the people. It doesn't apply to the people who appealed. Um, what we have in the law is uh, we like to refer to Latin, and when a law is unconstitutional, is it's ruled that way. It's called void ab initio, or from the initiation. So from the beginning of the law, is deemed to be unconstitutional. So um, we, we're really left with a conundrum here in terms of taxpayers who did not appeal, but they still paid their taxes under an unconstitutional law. And the the problem there is quite obvious because you have people who are unfairly paying taxes, and they they have a you know they they do have to get some kind of relief from the city because or the county in this case. Because the, the county's powers, you know, are only so good as they unconst- are only so good as defined by the limits of the constitution. So when we talk about our taxpayers, who, who did not appeal, um, the law should apply equally to them as well as the court's ruling. So, if it was void at the beginning, regardless of whether or not you had appealed, then, you know, you still should be entitled to a reclassification. Um, there are Supreme Court cases that allow for taxpayers who are not a part of an initial ruling or initial case to to look at what happens when the when a, a law is unconstitutional and then to bring a separate suit afterwards and then to seek relief saying, Well, I paid taxes under the same type of scheme that you found unconstitutional here. I, I'm entitled to relief now because I paid t- taxes under the exact same scheme and it shouldn't have been allowed. The law was void from the beginning. So, in this okay. case, where well, we have, we have taxpayers um, who have been contacting us, who were not a part of our initial appeal. And, and right now it's really um, a matter of figuring out the best way to pursue this. We have looked at. Um, possibly bringing a class action against the county, because there are a significant number of taxpayers who were affected by this. I, I think if. We rely on the county's um, testimony prior to introducing the law, they said almost 1100 properties were going to be affected by ordinance 5160. So. Whether or not that actually was the case um, remains to be seen, but it it is a significant number of taxpayers who were um, expected to be affected.
0: Yeah, I I think I saw 1 count uh, in 1 of the documents from the finance department that had it as high as 1400 properties. um, That that would potentially be impacted by this and I I think in that same document, they were expecting to to bring in an additional 9Million dollars in revenue. From from this change, so I I say that just so everybody can get a sense of the scope here. Um, Maui County made a, a tax law that was unconstitutional. It it impacted not just the three people that spoke up, but but you know potentially fourteen hundred others. And the county raked in like nine million dollars in taxes that they've already budgeted. They've budgeted that money out, so that money's going to have to get recovered. Somehow, um, and and just so we all are clear here, property taxes is a, a big way that the county. Gets its revenue, so that money that might have to get paid back to, to taxpayers, because of the unconstitutional action. That's going to come out of the taxpayer dollars um, and that's also something that that. Ram complained about at the start of this, so I'm just going to throw in 1, 1 more. I told you so. For for anybody listening that heard me ranting about this back in the day. Um, so, so you guys are pursuing a potential. Class action, um, can people reach out to you? Should they go to your website? Um, what, what should people do if they want to learn more? And, and then I have
1: a follow up question to that too. Sure. So we're, we're listening to all all kinds of taxpayers. Um. Fortunately, our clients have been happy with the result they obtained and the the word about has been spreading. So we've, we've received a lot of inquiries from taxpayers already who are interested in trying to pursue some type of relief against the county because they paid taxes um, under this unconstitutional statute and you can reach out to us Um, we're online again i'm I'm an attorney at chunker llp and spelled out that's charlie hotel uniform november space kilo echo romeo romeo Um, my information is all online along with the rest of our firms um, you can contact us there to to inquire as to whether or not you know this 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 situation you know really applied to you and whether or not you might be eligible to bring some type of suit or join in the type of action that we're we're thinking about bringing at this time. And I do want to just um, do applaud Jason at the time because when we first looked at this statute, there there weren't many challenges to it. Um, we were the only plaintiff that I was really aware of that brought. A suit against this against this ordinance and looking back to all the testimony. Um, it really not only did it blaze through the, the county council in a matter of just a month, but there wasn't really opposition to it as well, except for Jason. He really, you know, was the, the sole voice of reason, I guess um, against this against this measure. So it was very, it was very um, helpful to speak with him during our, our litigation because I, I was able to really you know pepper his you know pepper him with questions about how this law passed how was it allowed to pass what was the real intent behind it and the judge was very concerned about this and he he was he looked at this very closely we had almost a 3 hour hearing um during arguments on this on this case so it, it wasn't as if um the judge left any stone unturned they they really looked at everything from The intent of the legislature when they passed this to the actual language to the testimony submitted by the. By the county in support of it, which really was actually what changed the the judge's mind if he was leaning in the county's favor. I think that. The county's intent during passing this their um, objectives were a little. Rushed and I think that was evident during the hearing and it really just, you know, it was difficult for the judge to process how this law made sense um, with such a jumbled reasoning. Thank you.
0: Um, I, I agree with that 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 was really. Troubling me at the time, I'm glad that that you went back and and that we were able to. To share information and get a a positive outcome for your clients. Um, From from a practical perspective. If somebody's listening to this or if somebody sold a condo to a client who might be impacted, um, what should they look for? These are generally apartment zoned condos, um, or there's some hotel zone, do you know?
1: Um, these are <clears throat> sorry, condo units located in any type of zoning that would allow for some type of short-term transient vacation rental. So it really depends on your zoning, but um apartment use hotel and resort zoning. Um, all of those would include these types of condominium units, um, a telltale factor. Or sign is if you have an association, which all condo owners do, and you submit, um, when they have the actual use system in place, you're required to submit a list of all the condominium uses within that project. Um. So, a telltale sign for anybody who was affected by this would be, you you listed your use as something that was not short term rental um, and still the county classified you as a short term rental and you saw your taxes go up by uh, almost double in some cases. So um, that that is the class of people that we're really looking at is, you know, if you're in a condo, if you had an actual use that was not a short term rental use, and then the county reclassifies you in 2021 as a result of this law.
0: So check your 2021 tax bill and figure out what you had said and what you got taxed as. That's that's the giveaway.
1: Um, right. The, I, I'd say the, the clearest um, explanation, or I guess the, the, the easiest thing to look at is just look at the classification. If you're a condo and if you were non-owner occupied in the prior year in 2020 and it changed to a short-term rental in 2021 and you didn't have any short-term rental activity on the property, then, you know, in plainest terms, that's what you're looking at.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and just, you know, I'll take a little aside here. Um, during that that time of the passage of the bill, it was, it, I, I mentioned before that, that it was a little troublesome, the type of discussions that the, the county council was having. And what I mean by that is the discussions were very much, how can we have legislation that targets um, one group of Americans? in an unfair way and and i think you know in hawaii we we feel very separate and we view our ourselves very separate and that has a lot to do with with a lot of the history here and and the historical injustices so it's understandable Um, however we're still subject to the constitution of the united states and deciding that these property owners need to pay more taxes um, based on the rules we have in place we're going to change the rules just to make these people pay more taxes because their address is in a different state, that's a, a really troublesome road to go down, and um, and I think we need to be careful of letting our our feelings about some issues dictate our our judgment in being discriminatory against against folks who are investing, um, you know, just just following the law. I mean, it's not illegal for them to buy property. It's not. <laughs> So, so, yeah, it's really crazy to me um, that that we're that our our county government was willing to disregard the constitution in this instance. I'm glad that there's some accountability. I'm glad that you were part of holding them accountable with that. And I really look forward to to seeing where this, this goes. Do you think maybe, um, you know, once things go a little bit further down the line, you can come back and give us an update, Winston?
1: Absolutely. Um, We're, we're looking at. Putting this case or this action together, you know, as soon as possible. But we do want to make sure all of our ducks are in a row, and um, we 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 don't want to leave anybody out. At the same time, we we just you know want to make sure that this is done the right way. Um, I think to our credit, as part of bringing our lawsuits, we we look pretty closely at this um, at the statute before we even challenged it. So you know, we have to we have to feel good about um, these suits before we bring them. Um I think that even I mean, not to get too deep into the weeds on the, these laws, but they're really a part of a larger um movement that we've seen in property tax across the state in all counties. Um a lot of the counties are are looking at ways to now tax either vacant properties or those who are, you know, not being used in the way that you know the, the councils deem to be fit, which is by in state or in island residents. And even though They don't explicitly focus on out out of state resident owned property. I think it was apparent to anybody looking at this bill that that's who it was um, really focused and targeted at. and, and, you know. The thing about the Constitution that really just, I guess, blows me away is that um, when you look at, you know, equality and uniformity and all of those principles, they don't just apply. You know, across 1 spectrum across, just, you know, resident to resident, you have to look at the zoning in this case. So, you know, as much as the counties may want to tailor their laws, they really do have to. Consider that, you know, it has to be as fair and as uniform as possible too. And I think this, hopefully it should be a good reminder to the counties when they start passing these laws.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, this has been a really great conversation. Are. What else, What other trends are you seeing? That was a really fascinating aside, and I, I would like to know more. What What are these trends? Um, other legislative trends that you're seeing in, in other counties, uh, cases that you've had, and outcomes. I would love to know more.
1: Sure. Um, well, I, I served on the Oahu Real Property Tax Advisory Commission for this past year, and that gave me a, a pretty good insight into real property tax um, on Oahu, but we also were able to compare our system here to, to those on the outer islands. And um, it really helped Maui had their actual use classification system, which was recently done away with in 2022. So so that did change as well. Um, if, if you're somewhat aware, there was a long-term rental exemption that was also accepted in Maui, and, and there are some issues with that that we've also um, challenged in the Board of Review. Those are pending at this time. But um, yeah, I think across the across the state, the, the biggest trend that I see is, you know, when you complain about stuff in Hawaii, the, the, the top of the list is usually homelessness and the cost of living. And those are often seen as intertwined by you know people and politicians in general and the way that it. You know most people seem to think is the way to solve that is to somehow you know bring down the the cost of housing which is you know open up the market kick people you know who are not using their properties in the in the behind and tell them hey you got to rent it to these people you got to sell it you got to make some type of use of it and and i think the counties are all type um, experimenting in different ways well who's been contemplating a vacancy sort of um, classification or surcharge I know Kauai is also looking at um, the uh, use um, form that it issues every year as to how to tinker with that to figure out, you know, who's actually using their properties, um, you know, as a residence or as a short term rental. And, and Maui's, you know, run through the gamut too. They have this, this 1 time law where it passed and then they they did away with the actual use system. So. I think all of these are sort of. Addressing the issues that we raised our politicians about the cost of housing and homelessness and all of that, um, but whether or not they're prudent remains to be seen. I think that um, the the legislatures are you know kind of reactive on this. I don't think that there's a a real strategy going forward. We when we were on the real property tax commission in Oahu, we were looking at tax schemes not just in the nation but in other countries, which. Is interesting, but they don't have to deal with the Constitution like we do here. So it's um, yeah, it, it's really interesting to see how the colonies are, are dealing with this because um, whereas. I think at the outset, real property tax was just seen as a way to fund the counties. The counties are now looking at the real property tax as a way of governing how to use your land. And do you think that trend will take hold? Do you, do you think that'll be the new norm in Hawaii? I think so. I, I think that, you know, just not only serving on the Real Property Tax Commission, but also the State Tax Commission, um, and there's a lot of people getting involved in the tax side that are, are trying to implement policy through tax, and, and which is, you know, not something that I, you know, am, am all too keen on, because I, I I guess I focus too much on the details of how this is gonna be ironed out, how it's gonna be applied, and it just gets messy. When you try to paint these things with broad brushstrokes, but but there's a lot of policy people getting involved in taxes. Now, whether it's real property, whether it's with a GET in the state or transit accommodation taxes. Um, the inability of the counties to regulate other uses, like short term rentals through the, you know, the land use ordinances and other types of regulatory agencies ha- has them looking for other options. And I think taxes that frontier that new regulatory frontier that. Um, the counties and local agencies are looking at so um yeah you have a lot of um these council members politicians looking at how to use the tax system in their favor and you've also got a lot of lobbyists and a lot of um a lot of non-governmental organizations looking at the tax code and, and looking how it can be structured in a way to pursue their policy means um i think because the tax code is pretty dense um this law ordinance 5160 passed in only a month and it passed through budget and fiscal deliberations which are pretty you know cut and dry most of the time they they're pretty dry hearings so the fact that um you know you can have some pretty important policy legislation and, and otherwise are what used to be pretty dry topics um i think it it's sh- everybody should be alert as to what legislation is actually being passed in their counties and their states
0: in your research, having looked at that other tax schemes, uh, if you came across the, the regulation through taxes. Were there any trends that that popped up like, like to to. Really the silver lining here are there places that have been able to solve housing or fix parts of their, their rental housing crisis through taxation.
1: That remains to be seen. I mean, uh, many, many. Lobbyist in favor of such vacancy type of classifications and penalties will we'll point to Vancouver, who, who recently um, implemented a sort of vacancy tax and the results of that. Well, while, while they say during the 1st year, it, it resulted in an uptick of revenue and, and, and you know, a, a decrease in the amount of empty homes. However, you classify those. It, it remains to be seen whether that's the long term case. Um, I think. 2020 and the covid pandemic really just threw everybody for a loop i mean people weren't um using these properties these part-time residences as you know only half-time homes they were moving out they're moving out of cities into their mountain homes and their beach homes so it really you know people became more ingrained in, you know otherwise maybe two month or one month places that they normally would stay uh, and they became more involved there um but i haven't seen any real trend i know people are pursuing this i don't see it you know as a solution at this point i can't point to one example and say this the city or this county or state you know enacted a vacancy tax or they you know up their up their rents on people who aren't using their properties and that solved their housing crisis Uh, i think that whether you're in san francisco denver um, any big city really or you know any any Sort of resort town, there's going to be that friction between the people who stay there part time, the people who have to work there full time and also the the friction between. Okay. Well, if you stay there full time, and you're still renting it out to part time. Residents as a short term rental. How does that factor in to the use of the land? Um, This isn't a. This isn't a new topic. It's been going on for a while. Um, A lot of the cases that we cited to and researched were were back from New York of all places um, in the 1940s and 30s that was experimenting with uh differing taxation based on zoning. So these are pretty, you know, long-standing topics and I don't see them being solved anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. Um
0: I was just hoping you had good news for us that that maybe all of this will come to something good in the end. But the answer is is really we don't know yet. And it's it's so fascinating that you brought up COVID um, it somehow slipped my mind in this discussion that this bill was passed right before COVID actually became a thing, and uh, and and I guess that's a, a great thing from the revenue aspect. They needed that extra money, but but yeah, it COVID really changed the game in as far as tourism goes for for that chunk of time there. Um, one thing that, that really bothers me from the policy aspect with a law like this. So as you said, the they already repealed the actual use basis so now the status quo is pretty much if you can be a short-term rental you're going to get taxed as a short-term rental is that right
1: that's what the county's position is um they they passed a law ordinance 5159 uh, somewhat counterintuitively it was passed before this law that went into effect in 2021 but it repealed the actual use system and and what happened after was it they, they Added to that list of classifications and said, if you you know if you are in a zoning that permits you to have that highest and best um, short-term rental use, and you have a GET or a rental license, then you're, you're going to be taxed um, as a short-term rental, even if you don't actually use it as that as such. Um, there is some issue that we have taken. Um, we have maybe seven or eight different appeals right now with the Maui Board of Review. Challenging Ordinance fifty one fifty nine as to how it was written because at this point you have people who who have never um, use their property as a short term rental and something about that just strikes people as unfair. If you're not using your property as as a short term rental, why are you being taxed as it? Um, and that's you know something that I think really turned people on to appealing this, even if they didn't understand the nuts and bolts of how it worked. Uh, the classification itself just seems unfair. Yeah. Um, so we have that challenge right now as to the, the current scheme, and we haven't got a decision yet from the Board of Review. Um, is some of you might be aware, when you appeal a real property tax classification or assessment in Maui, you have to go first to the County Board of Review, and you have to wait for a decision there before you go to tax court. So what happened with the three that we brought? ordinance 5160 was we we lost the board review they essentially all appealed there they were all turned down they came to our firm asked us if we'd be willing to take on their cases and after um, much review and after looking over the law we we thought there was a good enough shot that we we could give us a challenge so um but right now for 2022 and all the assessments based on the, the most recent law there, there are outstanding challenges, so we, we, it remains to be seen whether or not those will be successful. And if not, um, those might go to tax appeal court too as well. So we'll, we'll keep you in the loop Jason.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that um, my, my big problem with the tax on the taxing everybody as short term rentals, whether they're doing it or not. And I, I want to ask you some questions as a reasonable person, we're going to run through a scenario here. You have a 2nd property that you have never used as a short term rental. That's the scenario. And now I'm telling you, I'm going to double your taxes. You can pay those double taxes by renting out your property short term. You can pay those, you can get out of paying those taxes by selling your property to somebody who will rent it out short term, or um, you can can, um, get a tenant and then next year you can file, The long term rental exemption and the year after that, I'll give you lower taxes. What, what options are you thinking?
1: (laughs) Well, that's really the, you know, those are the choices you have, you know, you can, you can rent it out as a short term rental, but that, of course, you know, requires a lot of um, compliance with a lot of the regulations. You, You can't just operate a short term rental anywhere. You need a license. You need a transient accommodations tax license to. Engage in this activity, you're going to be taxed differently. So um, to anyone engaging in short-term rental businesses, it's, you know, it's, if you want to get, you know, recoup your losses from those higher taxes, you're still going to have to pay more to comply. And you got to pay more taxes on top of that income too. There's that, but Um,
0: the whole tax system creates an incentive for operating a short-term rental. The the county claimed that they did this whole thing to reduce the number of short-term rentals and to make them pay their fair share, to, to try and get more housing for the residents. They made all sorts of wild claims as to why they were passing this legislation. But in reality, it creates an incentive to either sell your property to somebody who will use it as a short-term rental or to use it as a short-term rental yourself. Cause otherwise it's exactly. an incentive for the long-term rental um, tax class, which is what they're trying to put it in you still have a lag time of paying the short-term rental tax for like a year at the minimum, right? So so yeah, I I just um I I understand the purpose of it, but I agree with you. I, I think I think there's something as far as the sniff test that, that it just doesn't seem fair and and then it, it it goes towards the wrong goal. You know, if they say they're trying to reduce the number of short-term rentals don't create an incentive or a penalty really for not being a short term rental. That's what it is. It's a penalty for them. Not operating a short term. rentals.
1: Right, so. and I think that that whole concept of the highest and best use, you know, if that's, that's pretty universal across across appraising standards, right? That you can, if you can use their property for this, then we're not going to give you a break because well, if you've got a, you know, if you've got like a an acre lot in Lahaina, but you decide to use it as a petting zoo instead of a, a big hotel, the county's not going to say, well, you don't use this to its maximum capacity. You know, we're not going to give you, we're going to give you a break and call it ag land instead. I, I don't think that, you know, that makes sense either on the other side, but but from, a, from an individual perspective, this really hit residents or actual, you know, people living in their properties. And that's where it, it starts getting unfair when you start classifying people who are not engaging in commercial activity as being engaged in some type of business. And 1 of the problems that we, we saw was when the county was passing this law ordinance 5160, like you said, it, it came up with a bunch of different reasons for why it was passing it really through the kitchen sink at, at, um, at the legislature, or the, I guess the county council. And 1 of them was just really just out of left field. The, I think the county said that they were getting complaints from short term rental owners who couldn't use their properties because of COVID, And now they were still being taxed higher, even though their inability to rent the property was a, a factor of market conditions, but they wanted everybody else to be taxed like a business, because even though they weren't engaging in short term rentals, like they were. And I think when I told the judge that the judge. Really had to stop and think for a moment, especially because there was another case in Maui, maybe less than 10 years ago um, where the Hawaii Supreme Court determined that. The the higher rates for timeshares on Maui were justified by that higher traffic, that higher intensity type of use. So, on 1 hand, you had the Supreme Court saying, okay, Maui, we'll let you tax higher commercial, higher intense uses at a higher rate. And then in this case, they're. Coming and asking the court, well, we want to tax these lower intensity uses at business rates, you know, just because um, yeah, it seems to be what we want to do at this time. And there wasn't really a good reason around that. I, I don't think the, the tax court was able to really understand, especially in light of the Supreme court precedent.
0: Yeah, what a great point. That's that's, it makes so much sense when you put it that way. Well. Winston, I um I, I really appreciate all your insight on this. Um, I'm so thankful that that we got a chance to connect on this early on. I'm um, I'm really happy for you that you won your case, and I'm I'm happy for your clients. And um, just that website once again. Uh, or what's the the name of your law firm for anybody listening?
1: Our firm is Chun Kerr, so C H U N K E R R, L L P. And we're a law firm here in Honolulu. We, we, you know, we're all attorneys here in Hawaii and we have a pretty good tax practice here um, that brings a lot of real property tax appeals in addition to other tax issues. But um, in the, in the wake of this decision, I think that there's um Going to be a lot of activity that we have regarding those who are affected by this law, but weren't able to initially bring an appeal from the, from the outset. So, if you want information on, you know, what we're planning to do, um, what type of relief we're looking at, feel free to look us up on our website. Uh, I can also provide my email. Um, um it's on the website, but it's W. W. O. N. G. at dot com.
0: Great, great and um, yeah, please, please reach out to Winston. If, if you have. Uh, questions, uh, you can look up the, the case or the filing if you're that savvy on it. Uh, This has been very illuminating and yeah, y'all take care. Thanks for listening. Winston, thanks again and have a great day.
1: Thank you very much, Jason. Appreciate your time.